try to make up for it. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Draft Daily. I'm bringing in one of my absolute favorite guys in the entire industry, uh, Jordan Reed of the Draft Network. Jordan, how are we doing today? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on, Elliot. Yeah, absolutely. I had to clarify that you're of the Draft Network and not formerly of the Washington Redskins. I know you're having a fun <laughs> offseason. Yes, yeah, I actually got mistaken for him yesterday. It happens like three times a day, which is crazy. Well, um, I guess there are worse people to be mistaken for. But Tua Tugavailoa is the guy we're going to talk about today. I'm just going to call him Tua because that, that's a <laughs> mouthful. Obviously, we're going to get to his medical stuff and the concerns, but let's hop right in. Tell me your favorite parts of Tua's game. Oh, well, there's actually quite a few. And I think the biggest thing is his accuracy. And with Tua, you have to understand that, yes, he had a very good surrounding cast. But if you were to separate him from that surrounding cast, I think he still would be as good just because he he has a really good understanding of knowing the difference between ball placement and accuracy. And what I mean by that is in college, you have a lot of these side to side offenses where you're throwing a bunch of quick screens and a lot of quick throws along the perimeter. So quarterbacks naturally have a very high completion percentage where they can show off their accuracy. But with Tua, he is really good at placing the ball in certain spots. And depending on where defenders are really draped on uh, these receivers, he's able to navigate the ball and place it wherever he wants to. So that's why I say he understands the difference between ball placement and accuracy. That's the that's the thing I love the most about Tua. Yeah, it, it, it jumps off the film, right? Like we talked about his supporting cast, right? We're talking about two first-rounders this year, probably two guys that will go, what, first or second round next year potentially. Uh, Damian Harris is an excellent receiving back. We're looking at a guy that averaged over 11 yards per attempt. But one of the things that stood out to me is even on his, like, screens or underneath routes or passes to Damian Harris or slants, every pass was set up so that his guy could make a play after the catch. And that really led to a lot of yards after catch for all these guys. So I think, you know, his his accuracy to all levels, his deep ball, I think is phenomenal. His, his arm strength, his release, his footwork. I think there's so many aspects of his game that lead to pinpoint accuracy. I'm going to get on you a little bit right there because you said Damian Harris. I know you meant Najee Harris, though. <laughs> I got you. but Technically, depends on which film I was watching, right? Oh, that is true. That is true. I thought you were just talking about last year. They have no, I 100% back, meant Najee Harris. Backs. That's 100% on me right there. <laughs> You're fine, man. I'm just messing with you. But, yeah, man, he's so good at layering the ball. And it isn't just the underneath areas. I think they didn't push the ball down the field a whole bunch at Alabama, which is crazy to say just because of the weapons that were at his disposal. But – He's a surgeon in the underneath areas, and I think that's what makes him so good and why he's going to be really good in the NFL. Of course, we're going to get into the weaknesses here in a second, so I'll save that. Yeah, I think one thing that people knock players for, and and PFF has done a lot of work on this, is the guys who make the easy plays consistently find a lot of success, right? We, We like to knock quarterbacks. Oh, that's a first read. Oh, that was an easy throw. But making it consistently is fantastic. I don't know why that seems to be a knock that people like to have. Um, let's talk about a couple other aspects of his game that I was uh, particularly impressed with. I think he's got good pocket presence. He can feel the rush. He keeps his eyes downfield. He goes through his progressions well. I think he moves defenders with his eyes very well. There are a couple plays, one that stands out in the LSU game where you know he, he looked right through left and did not hold the linebacker long enough. But I, I really like what he does and the mental aspect of his game as well. Yeah, and that's something that really stands out about him, and it, you can really couple that with his decision-making. He's never really put the Alabama offense in a bad situation, and 
one one play that he did have that was really bad was against Tennessee, where was something that Tua does really struggle with is seeing underneath coverage, and his eyes can really get fixated on the middle of the field that he really doesn't see uh, some of those underneath guys. And nine times out of ten, most of his interceptions have come on the second level. He just didn't see those underneath linebackers. So just getting locked onto his targets and really following them over the middle of the field and just being a little bit oblivious to the underneath covers, that's really something that you notice about him. Tennessee was one game. Uh, there were some others as well where he just – through some really, really bad interceptions, but it really happens so rarely just because he takes care of the football so well. Yeah, 100%. And I think the the last big thing I want to mention is that, you know, when he's healthy, which is which is a huge aspect of Tua, we'll, we'll talk about it in a minute, but he, he's very mobile as well. And his ability to throw, especially when he's uh, on the move to the left, his ability to throw on the run is phenomenal. Yeah, and that's something that I think he really made strides in. And what you notice, he made a big jump in. What he did last year, which I thought was really bad on his part, a bad tendency that he had was, this is why I kind of compare him to Russell Wilson. I know we'll get into that comparison a little later. But what Tua did a really bad job of was he did what I like to call circle and turn his back out of the pocket just because he, he, he didn't have really great protection in 2018, so he, he didn't really trust it a whole bunch. And what he did was he completely turned his back to all his targets, just trying to circle out of the pocket. And that's really something that a bad habit he developed in 2018, but he developed out of last year. So I thought that was really good by him. And then he loves to do what I like to call climb up in the eye of the storm. And the eye of the storm is really the pressure that is in the pocket. But he plays in a he plays in a glass case, man. Like nothing bothers him. And it just seems like he's out there playing backyard football when he climbs up into the pocket. So that's a big check mark that I have for him. Yeah, I, that's a huge thing for me is how guys handle pressure. Um their ability to step up, their ability not to be afraid, their ability, you know, to, to complete passes under pressure historically has has been a very sticky stat for quarterback success at the next level. No prospects perfect. Obviously, two of his biggest concerns are medical. Obviously, with, with COVID-19 going on right now, that adds a whole new layer into this that we were not anticipating, right, with teams not being able to have their own doctors check out Tua, not necessarily do the physicals. We have a video that was eight seconds long that came out, what, four days ago where he's he's rolling to his left where he looks good. But the whole hip thing, the Bo Jackson, modern medicine, there's a lot of unknown with that. Um, do you have any major medical concerns with him or are you kind of letting teams make that decision? Oh, well, of course we don't have the proper information and we're not in the medical room checking him out. So uh, he's had surgery on both ankles. We know about the hip. And then there's some other areas where he's had some bumps and bruises as well. And I think the thing, if you're going to drive to a, you have to make sure you're going to protect him right away just because, I mean, injuries are something that usually follow prospects. And there's an old saying that if you usually get hurt in college, it usually happens in the NFL as well. The injury bug is just something that you don't normally shake off. And that's something that Tua has had during his career. So you're going to have to build up a wall in front of him. And you have to build some protection for him just because he's not the most durable guy in the world. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just to add one more point that if I was in the medical medical room with Tua, I wouldn't even know where to begin to check on whether or not his hips and ankles are okay <laughs> anyway. But um, right. let's, talk, let's talk about his game. Um, what, what are some of the concerns about his game that you have? Uh, of course, the durability standpoint, that's really the biggest stain on his resume right now. And then, like I talked about earlier, just being oblivious to underneath coverage. That's something that really does scare me a little bit about him just because he gets so locked on 
uh, to his reads over the middle of the field that what happens is he's just staring at them come across the middle of the field. And what happens is he doesn't see the linebacker sinking underneath them. And that's something that's really hard to improve upon just because the concentration aspect of it and just really having the dual vision of being able to see both and see these windows that they're coming into. But Tua has really good anticipation. So that gives you some hope that he can improve upon it, but he just hasn't to this point. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's a fair critique. Um, one or well, a couple things that I noticed. I think sometimes when he tries to throw with touch passes, the ball he can baby mm-hmm. it, or the ball can sail on him a bit. I think that nine times out of ten, his footwork was really good on film, and then when his footwork is off, the accuracy uh, kind of goes with it. I think he's got a good, mm-hmm. not great arm. I think when you add in his release and footwork and he he puts his body into the throw, it's got incredible velocity on it. But he's not one of these guys like Josh Allen that's just going to flick his wrist and the ball is going to go, you know, 60 yards. But that's not his game, so it's not really a major concern for me. Right, and then another one I would say, and he was better at it last year as opposed to 2018. He played a little bit of hero ball. and What I mean by hero ball is that he was just trying to do everything himself. And he had no knowledge of where his checkdowns or where his outlets were. And that's why these Alabama running backs had so low catch numbers, just because Tua was trying to get the ball out to all these weapons that he had at his disposal. But I thought he did a really good job of getting through his progressions. And then once he exhausted all his options, he came down to his checkdown. And that was a big, big growth aspect that he showed last year. And I was really happy to see that just because he was trying to shoulder the load so much in 2018. And that's why I think his stats weren't as great as what we saw in years past. But him being able to develop and understand where his checkdowns and his outlets were, I think that's going to help him stay healthy on the next level as well if he continues to play that way. Absolutely. I think that's something I really want to see out of quarterbacks is their ability to not try to do too much. I think that's something we saw with Lamar Jackson in the playoff game against the Titans where he started pressing and trying to kind of force everything into himself making the play. Once you start trusting teammates and kind of letting the game come to you, and that's something we see a lot with young quarterbacks, right? It's not it's not unusual. But as these guys let the game come to them and they develop, I think Tua will continue to grow in that area and actually make that a strength over time. I just I, I believe in his character as well. I, I know we kind of passed the strengths, but I think that who a person is and the it factor is more important at the quarterback position than anywhere else. Oh, absolutely. And just like talking to him for 15 minutes at the combine during his combine presser, there's just something about when you can feel the presence of a person in the room. And that's exactly what you got with Tua as opposed to some of these other quarterbacks. And you felt it with Burrow as well. It really was those those two. But with Tua, he just was calm and relaxed. And he didn't deflect or run from any questions. He answered everything truthfully. And that's what I li- really like about Tua. He just has an infectious personality. And then just asking guys like Jedrick Wills and some of the other Alabama players there, you can understand why they play so hard for him and why he was a team leader. Absolutely. So let's talk about, you know, player comparison. And for the record, whoever you compare him to, I'm not saying that that is the career trajectory of Tua, right? Like, it's just kind of not everyone's going to watch every game. Not everyone's going to watch as much film as you, but kind of give give me a sense of a guy he reminds you of. Uh, I think Russell Wilson is the most common one. And now I don't think he's anywhere near as athletic as Russell, but as far as the type of game that they have, I don't think his arm is nearly as strong as Russell's either, but just the way they went from the pocket, the way they have uh, the personality really to galvanize everybody around them. And then the way they win in a sense, I think Russell is probably the most fair comparison. I know I've seen Steve Young out there. I don't think he's as athletic, nearly as athletic as Steve Young was coming out. But I think from an Armstrong standpoint, they are very similar. So I think it would be a mixture of those two, and then Drew Brees would be another one that I would add in as well. 
Yeah, I, I think the Steve Young one is it, it's partially mine because I saw the end of Steve Young's career, right? Not mm-hmm. not the beginning, not not when he was the super athlete. By the way, shout out to whoever tweeted that Peyton Manning video where he he broke like a forty yard touchdown run and looked like he could actually run. That was that was fun for, <laughs> for me to see. But um, the 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 question I actually have to ask you is: He's a lefty. Do you think that matters at the quarterback position? Because people talk about it a lot. It doesn't, man. It's just a small sample size, and you know the only lefty really to work out in the NFL was Vic. That comes to mind immediately, but it's just a smaller sample size, and it's just different seeing a lefty go out and play really well. And it's a bit of an adjustment just because it's kind of a football thing, kind of a small factor, but the rotation on the ball is a little bit different for receivers coming from a lefty as opposed to a righty. So there's little adjustments that you have to make. And then the whole blindside protection factor, I think both tackles are as important well, no matter what side you're on. But, you know, there's football cliches out there about stuff like that. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that's why you also get the Steve Young with the, the lefty factor. But mm-hmm. let's talk about ideal landing spot. I think – one of the biggest things for all prospects is where they go, the coaching staff they go, you know, the surrounding cast. Where would you like to see Tua go in terms of what's best for his career? I really like his fit in Miami, and I know that's one everybody has been talking about, but I just think this team needs such a facelift on the offensive side of the ball uh, from Ryan Tannehill. Of course, that experiment didn't work out. We know Fitzpatrick isn't the long-term solution there, but I really like what Brian Flores and Chris Greer are doing down there. They just need that super important offensive face of the franchise type of piece on that offense. Now, they already have it on the defensive side, but Byron Jones assigning him, he's probably going to be the face of the franchise player. He really doesn't have a choice with the contract that he signed with them. But I think with Tua, he would provide so much energy into that franchise, and then they really could put their stamp on that rebuild that they're trying to do down there down there with Tua. So I like a spit in Miami. Uh, the Chargers will be another one that I like just because they have the weapons already down there to his disposal with Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, and then Austin Eckler in the backfield. So he's walking into a good situation uh, from a perimeter and weapon standpoint. Now they do have to reshape and retool their offensive line. They have a second round pick that they can use to take one of these tackles in the second tier of this draft. So the Chargers are another fit that I like for Tua. Yeah. All right. Please do not take him, Washington Redskins, with your medical stuff. Please not. For the, for the love of God, <laughs> don't do that to Tua. But I agree with you on the Dolphins. And they have, what, four top 37 picks. Yeah. So they can completely build their team around Tua. I'm a big Preston Williams guy. Parker took a huge step forward. Albert Wilson is a guy that we've seen in the past be one of these dynamic playmakers with the ball in his hand. And we talked about Tua's ball placement and giving guys that opportunity. So I think Albert Wilson's actually kind of a sleeper guy in Miami that fits well with Tua. You got 18, maybe Andrew Thomas falls, or you can kind of move up to get him, Josh Jones, kind of maybe J.K. Dobbins or DeAndre Swift to the top part of the second and get that pass-catching running back and just kind of completely build your offense around Tua. Yeah, and that's the great thing about Miami. It's not just going to be Tua. You're going to be able to bring in some more weapons for him. They've already started to reshape that offensive line, even though I wasn't a huge fan of the Eric Flowers signing, even though he did remake his career. Uh, Last year, I wasn't a huge fan of that signing, but the other signings that they have made, I really liked. Uh, to this point and then they have 14 draft picks this year so they can bring in and reshape the offensive side of the ball very quickly that's why i like his fit so much in miami how if you were miami and the only way you could get him was trading up to two or three what would you give up to get him i would give up 26 so my third first round pick and probably a couple other picks i think he's that important and he can be that good yeah i completely agree with you jordan you're i mean you know what i'm just gonna flat out, flat out say it you're my favorite guy to follow for the draft if I could only read one person's work, it would be yours. 
Um, tell the people where they can find you. Uh, you can find my work uh, on Twitter at jreidnfl. That's at J-R-E-I-D-N-F-L. You can also find my work on the draftnetwork.com. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for listening. Stay tuned. Next episode will be KJ Hamler, and then tomorrow we'll do Jonathan Taylor. Thank you guys so much for listening.